On Thursday morning, I woke up at 2 a.m., wide awake, perhaps like Danny and Annette wake up at 2 a.m., wide awake. So good to hear holy noise in church. So on Thursday morning, I woke up at 2 a.m., wide awake, and that reminded me of the opening scene of a movie I had recently watched, The Perfect Storm. It was based on a true story, and it's the story of a fishing boat captain who's down on his luck and decides to go back out into the Atlantic Ocean in October, late in the season, in pursuit of the great catch of fish he had been missing. His crew are all heart and spirit, and they follow their captain so far out, all the way to a place called the Flemish Cap, where they find the fish that they were looking for. But in the meantime, the perfect storm has been brewing, and sadly, it proves too much for the boat, which sinks along with its crew into the deep. Now, we can look back in hindsight and very easily blame the captain. He was in charge, he knew the risks, and he chose the risky course anyway. We could blame him for his pride or for his anger or for whatever it was that drove him back out into the ocean and caused the death of his crew. And we could even say things like, what profit does it give a man to gain the whole world and lose his life or his soul? But there's a scene in this movie that for me softens my inclination to judge the captain. And it's at a time when they have to make a choice. The crew has to make a choice between avoiding the storm, diverting their course, and losing the fish they had just caught because the ice machine on the boat broke. So they have that choice, which might have saved their lives but would have lost their catch, or to go through the storm and risk their lives but to get back in time so that the fish don't spoil. And it's really the captain's speech to them where he appeals to something more than money. He appeals to what it means to be a fisherman, what it means to go out onto the water to risk your life to pursue that work that they do. And so they decide to follow him again, this time to their death. In the church, too, church leaders also make mistakes. They are guilty of errors in judgment, and sometimes those do damage. People get angry with us. Sometimes people may even leave the church because of us, because of our leadership philosophy or our management, because of decisions we make or bad habits that we have or bad behaviors. And it's good for you to address these problems with your church leaders and to try to help them improve. And in the scriptures, we're given a couple of passages that are very helpful for this. One of them is in Matthew 18, which for me is the quintessential text for conflict resolution. And it says in Matthew 18 that if you have a problem with someone, you go to him personally or go to her personally and talk to her or him about it. And if they don't listen to you, you take two or three others. And if they still don't listen to you, you take it to the church. And if they don't listen to the church, then 
you cut yourself off from that person. And one of the things I love about this form of constructive escalation is that it helps us separate what's really important from what's not important. And when it becomes clear that what is bothering us is not mission critical or not of the most highest importance, then we turn to the reading that we had today for St. Nicholas, where it says, brothers, listen to your leaders and submit to them. Listen to your leaders and submit to them. Now, sometimes God just gives us a commandment. Sometimes he just gives us a commandment, kind of like the parent who tells his son or daughter, do this, why? Because I said so. And that's difficult for children and for adults. But here in Hebrews, we actually hear two reasons. We get two reasons why you should listen to and submit to your leaders. And one of them is simply self-interest. It is in your self-interest to have happy leaders. People who are happy are going to do their work better. Sometimes I hear husbands say, happy wife, happy life. It's in our interests to have happy leaders. We are going to be happier if they are happy. They're going to do their work more joyfully if they're happy. But the second reason is, there is a more severe judgment coming to people like me. There is a more severe judgment coming to our bishops because they have to answer for all of us. And so, in addition to this reminder about good conflict resolution, the most important thing I have to ask of you today is simply to pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for Metropolitan Alexios. Pray for Bishop Sebastian. Pray for Archbishop Elpidophoros. Pray for us. We need your prayers. Perhaps sometimes you can do that at 2 a.m., if you wake up that early, Elder Emilianos of Simonopetra of Blessed Memory writes beautifully about nocturnal prayer, about how the stillness of the night is the perfect, best time to pray. And St. Nicholas, actually, was most virtuous when it came to vigils. That was one of his greatest virtues, prayer by night, which he continued when he was going around in the middle of the night helping people, leaving money for the poor so that no one would know it was him, so that he would not lose his heavenly reward. So he took this practice of vigil and carried it into his philanthropy. So the perfect storm closes with the funeral of the sailors. And at that funeral, in the movie at least, is featured a very famous hymn, a very famous Protestant hymn, probably the most famous Protestant hymn having to do with seafarers and sailors. It's called Eternal Father, Strong to Save. It's a beautiful hymn. It's a Trinitarian hymn, which reminds me of another saint we commemorate today. And sometimes these other saints get overshadowed by such a great saint as St. Nicholas. But this other saint, St. Theophilus of Antioch, was the first one to use the word trias to describe the Holy Trinity. So it's good to remember him as well today. Well, I was thinking about this hymn, and I was thinking about my cousin, Nikos, who serves as a captain of a ship in Greece, and also Grigoris, the husband of my cousin Marina, who also works on the sea and has been away for many, many months. And so I decided to write a verse to St. Nicholas. 
to the melody of this hymn. So I'll close with this as a little prayer, a little musical prayer for all of those who serve on the sea. Saint Nicholas, who calms the winds and intercedes for those in sins, who brings distressed ships back to shore in times of famine bringing corn. O hear us when we cry to Thee for those in peril on the sea.